Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today got a special treat for you because I am joined by Lisa David Olson. She is an author, a speaker, a creative coach, as well as a podcaster. And we're going to talk a little bit about how humor saved her life. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, hey, Curveball. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and talk about a little bit, maybe where you're from, give the audience a little bit of background about yourself, anything that you might want them to know before we get into it. Well, I could make it a mystery and they can figure out where I'm from, by the way I speak. It's pretty obvious. I'm from Minnesota. (laughs) So I'm on the Mississippi River on the other side of Wisconsin, and it's a beautiful area. And I'm an author and a speaker. I have my own podcast called Stranger Connections, and I'm a creative partner. I love to talk about creativity from the two decades that I've learned in performing and writing comedy and improvisation. Well, what's the weather like down there? I know here in Kansas right now, we're about, oh, 48 degrees. Is it cold and snowy down there in Minnesota? We do have some snow right now. We have to be careful for ice as it gets cold and dark in the night. You know, that's the dangerous time as the temps drop. We are sitting at 27. Tomorrow's high will be 30. And that is actually very mild for this time of year. Wow, it's going to be very cold in Minnesota. (laughs) So so the things that you do right now is part-time because you're actually a dispatcher Mm -hmm. full-time, right? Yes, sir. I am in records and I do local dispatch at the police department in the city in which I live. Okay. So let's talk about how you got into the things that you're doing. I know you said humor saved your life. First, talk about that. What what do you mean when you say that? When I was growing up, we, especially during the time for a short time, I lived in Tennessee. And during those times, um, it was early seventies and my mother was an alcoholic and she was definitely self-medicating whatever mental disorders or issues or imbalances that was going on. And anybody that's in their 50s like myself would know back then, no one really got into your business. Not like now. And you know, here I am working in the world of helping out police and supporting all that they do. And I see what goes on and and kids are so much safer today and, and teachers are so aware to report things that they notice and it's so much better. And yeah, we have a long way to go. But back then you didn't go to anyone's home. You didn't get into anyone's business. And so therefore when mother got drunk, she was physically violent with us. So that meant you couldn't have friends over. You could rarely sleep through the night. I still have night frights to this day. And she would just show up in your doorway and say, who did this? Whatever this was. And myself and my three siblings would have to get up out of bed and admit who did it. You know, one time it was somebody threw away the mushrooms and we all had to go in the garbage and get them out. And it was just ridiculous rage that she had. 
then there'd be great times. Then we'd get McDonald's. So uh, a pizza from the restaurant or McDonald's was the next day. So every day is a do-over. And I I had a lot of resentment and trust issues, but then there were good times that she was just really present. And through trying to make it through this trauma, humor was my escape. And it was through watching the Carol Burnett show that I thought, I want Carol Burnett to raise me because her mom and dad were alcoholics and her grandma's raising her and I want to go live with Carol Burnett. So when I watched the Carol Burnett show, I was in the Carol Burnett show in my mind. And that was my my one hour on a Saturday night, you know. And there was a time I was holding a, a handful of Darvaset and I considered just taking them. I, I think I was 14 or 15. And in that moment, I realized I, I was going to miss the Carol Burnett show if I did that. And so I made sure that, no, I'm, I'm, I'll give it one more day. And I think we all do. We all give it one more day. And through having comedy back then, eventually as an adult, I ended up owning, running, and performing in a sketch comedy troupe that was very much like the Carol Burnett show. Not exactly planned, but obviously it was in my path and I took it. And it was some of the best years of my life. So let's talk about that. What did what did you do when you were doing this sketch comedy troupe? Um, can people check it out now? We used to do live shows every September. We would do three weekends of shows, three nights a week. So nine shows that would take us six or seven months to write. And it was a celebration of the town that we lived in. So to parody something is often high praise because you're important enough to be in that sketch. So maybe we would make a sketch about the mayor and make it into Wizard of Oz, you know, but use all the local references and then go to an improv scene where we ask the audience, give me a place where two people might meet or who here is on a first date. And we'd play with the audience. They'd give us ideas and we would create something brand new every single night right there. And we'd have songs and everything. We don't have it any longer. I did sunset the group this past January because after two decades, I believe in stepping back when things are great and knowing when it's time. And boy, I tell you with the pandemic, (laughs) I thought I was calling the time, but yeah, it was time because there's no more live shows. Of course. Um, I, my hat's off to those that are doing virtual comedy. I do some stand up myself and I just think people are definitely tapping into their own creativity and their improv side by saying, well, I can't do this, which would be perform live. So maybe I'll try this, which would be gathering a Zoom audience and still keeping your topics fresh and keeping your connections with your comedy families. Absolutely. So after all the things that went on on with your mom, if she's still around, do you guys have a great relationship today? Or did you just eventually get out on your own and you guys don't communicate? How did all that work out as far as with your mom and as well as the the mental side? How did you get out of all that? Super question. It it was very much a roller coaster. And in my book, Laughs on Rye, which is W-R-Y, I write about our roller coaster of a relationship. I'm th- third out of four kids. And the third kid always takes care of everybody. And so I ended up doing a lot of her care. And she would be, um, so it was Y2K. Do you remember that curveball where you're at during Y2K yep. when it was? Yeah. And we I thought was, we were I'm losing from Louisiana. So I, I was Ooh. in Western Louisiana doing Y2K. 
Oh, what was that like for you? Um, everything just went went along normal. <laughs> well, do you recall Had the a few drinks? Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> do you recall the the frightening thoughts of oh my gosh, we're going to lose clocks, or we're going to lose computers, or we're going to lose our VCR capabilities because nothing was set up for zero zero. Yeah. So remember that mayhem that was happening, and at that same time, my mother. I checked on her and I had two very young kids and I was going through a divorce. So it couldn't have been like, ugh, it was a horrible time. And I had dropped off a pasta dinner for her the day before, left it at her bedside. A day and a half later, I checked on her. That same food was there and she was now on the ground. I think she had tried to call me or something. So I had to get somebody to watch my kids and I went over there and we're the same size and I could hardly pick her up. And I got her into the bathroom and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have money. I was going through divorce. She was not able to lift her head. And I called for an ambulance, not even knowing what to do. They ended up giving her IVs in the parking lot. They didn't even drive away. They, she was near death. And f- that was during Y2K. I remember her being in the hospital during Y2K. And I'm sitting there with her. And she was going through, um, what is that called when you're withdrawing DDTs or something like that? Withdrawal symptoms, alcohol withdrawal symptoms. Yes. And they had the massage units on her legs to keep the flow of blood going. And she thought there were headless rabbits in her bed. And she was saying all these wild things. Well, of course, she was going through all the withdrawal. And she never drank again. And she told me later, she remembers the doctor saying, if she makes it to morning, we'll give her more blood. And she has a very rare blood, um, like AB negative. So she remembered hearing that and she felt like she was under the bed. You hear of people saying, I was floating above in the room. No, she felt she was under the hospital bed and she could hear them say that. And she never drank again since that day. She did pass in 2014. And unfortunately, because of the back and forth history that we had, I have a lot of boundaries in place now. And so it was a lot of back and forth. And during that time, I did see her before she passed, but it was, it was amazing. The, the struggles. I just, I feel like telling everybody, if a family member is not aligning with you and it's taking away from your own family unit, your own nest, you know, you, you don't owe anybody if that, if that's turmoil and they aren't seeking help and they won't take your help, certainly don't take away from your, the people in your immediate circle. You know, it's, it's hard, but some people don't want help. Yep. They always say you have to want it before you can begin to, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk about your books. I know you mentioned one, how many books do you have? out? talk about them and talk about, Sure. I have Laughs on Rye, W-R-Y, an improviser's memoir. And that came out in 2018. And it's very short snippets of stories. I love pranks and I love performing. And I have a project in bravery that I have pictures in the middle of the book and all over my Facebook page. And it's it was one day I was walking down the street And these two young ladies were eating ice cream and you can picture them. Nobody's mad when they're eating ice cream. Nobody's sad or whining. You are, oh, you're holding ice cream. And, you know, it's young ladies. They were probably in their early twenties and one had a bright pink cone and a waffle cone. And the other one had this 
blue mess of ice cream and they were happy and there was a, they were standing by a brick wall taking pictures. It was so cool. And I walked up and I had this idea and I said, hey, can we get a picture together? And I'm very outgoing, but it still made my heart beat a little bit faster. It made me nervous to approach strangers, but I dared myself. And they said, well, sure, let's do it. And I, and I had this other thought and I said, let's not smile. And how weird is that? Okay, this stranger approaches me, wants a picture, now we can't smile. And they said, yes. And you laugh so hard in trying not to smile. And then you laugh afterwards because you did hold a straight face. So it's a very funny thing. I, I invite you to try that with your family tonight. It is so silly. And I, I hashtag it, serious selfies with strangers. So I have a few of those in my book. And that's my project in bravery because I dared myself. And I always invite people, dare yourself daily. It doesn't have to be to approach a stranger. It could be just start writing or draw a picture or put on your shoes and actually leave the house. Dare yourself to do one small step towards something. And you might find that you go toward it even further. And it feels darn good. And in my book, in the middle with the serious selfies with strangers, I share some of the story. Every single picture I shared, I share the story behind it. One young man was selling um, lemonade and I never pass up a lemonade stand. No one should pass it up. Even if you don't drink it, give them a $5 bill and watch their face. So I got permission because it's a small town and somebody told me whose kid it was. I got permission from the parents that I could put his picture in my book. And through connecting with them, I learned his lemonade stand was for his grandma who was recovering from breast cancer treatment. And he was raising money for grandma's hospital bill. And from his lemonade stand, he raised $400 for her and he didn't keep any money. I would not have known that if I didn't stop, give him that money and get a picture with him. Um, the two girls that I mentioned was my first picture. They, because when my book came out, it turns out I knew some of their parents and their parents' friends, and we all met for coffee and went shopping after. I have actual friendships from these serious selfies. And that is just more than I ever expected, just because I took my head out of my phone and engaged with people and took an interest in them. My other book is a journal, and I made that, printed it locally because I was giving local business and I just wanted to do a spiral-bound journal. And it's creative prompts from my two decades of performing. And I love to do creative partner meetups and help people get unstuck with whatever project they're on. I can do creativity ideas to help. Let's pretend you were doing a blog and you were like, you know, I was going to write about what it's like to do curbside pickup. I was going to write about that, but I just am stuck. And I would give you some tips and ideas of how to change your thinking so that you could open up to new ideas. And that journal is called What Ifs and Why Nots. Okay, so that bravery that you said that, hey, I got a dare, I want you to ask me about it. So that that what it was. It was mm -hmm. the, the yep. selfies. Yes, that's my project in bravery that turned out to make human connections and actual friendships. So you took the question right from me. I was going <laughs> to ask, what was that dare? Well, if you want to ask me, I'll tell you again. You can edit. <laughs> well, what we can do is we can talk about your podcast. You can tell people what that's all about and and how to connect with it, because I think it's pretty interesting. It's it's a fun project. My podcast is called Stranger Connections, and I love 
stories. And I don't know if it's a Midwest thing or just my heritage, but I love stories. I want to hear your stories and I'm going to add to the stories and tell mine. I think we all do and we all have a story to share. So I want the weirdest of the weird. So if you know of people, anybody listening, maybe your uncle collects something that's really random. Maybe he collects left socks. I don't know. (laughs) And I want to know that. So I am a curious beast and I love to hear quirky stories. I want to, I want to meet the weirdos and celebrate them. I have um, a monk who quit being a monk after nine years. So of course I want to ask him, what was it like? Why did you quit? Are you married now? All those things. I've got a gal who uh, talks about really bad dating stories and, and she's a soulmate coach, but she has these horrible <laughs> dating stories for herself, but she can help other people. I've got a guy that his name is Jeej and this 40-pound wooden gnome named Ahab. So Jeej and Ahab go on adventures. And this was passed down from his grandpa. Like this gnome, this wooden thing, he looks like a sailor, has been in their family for decades. So he starts taking him on adventures. So he has done skydiving and mountain climbing and and similar to my serious selfies, people come to him and they want pictures with him and then they hashtag it and post it. Um, I've got a gal who does Reiki through the computer. Another woman who can talk to your dog. She actually interviewed my dog. She told me stories about my dog that she couldn't have known that I knew because my dog was a rescue. And she told me a bunch of stuff about it. So I've got really cool people on Stranger Connections. So check out my podcast. You guys should definitely check it out. And it's available on your favorite podcast platform. Yes, it is. All right. So what advice would you give somebody who went through the kind of childhood that you went through, an abusive family member, you know, drugs, alcohol? What advice would you give them to make it through? If you can't help them, help yourself. You, you don't have to go along for the ride. If you've tried things and you've tried to help them and they aren't accepting it and they are stuck in the muck, don't get your feet dirty too. Yeah, I, have, I had my own two sons to raise. Um, I had different marriage things going on and I have regrets that it took away from my immediate family. So if you've tried to help them and you've alerted authorities and you've done welfare checks and you've, you know, you've tried, then you got to set up a boundary. And it doesn't always have to be that severe, but boundaries are pretty important, whether it's a a short little wall around you just to make sure that you're not always available for people that are just taking from you. Just assess who's your good people and, and get them closer and then make sure that you are reaching out to your good people so they know that, you know, I I just want you to imagine you're one of your friends right now, a, a friend that maybe you always enjoy their posts on Facebook, or maybe they're you know, somebody that you actually call once in a while, reach out to them, do a Facebook message, send them a card in the mail. I, I just can't stress enough that the human contact that we've been missing is something that we now understand, but it's been all along. We all want to be thought of. So reach out to somebody and tell them that, that you care about them, but don't, don't make yourself suffer because someone else chooses to. If you don't mind me asking, what kind of personal boundaries have you set up um, with this situation that you have, that you've survived? What kind of boundaries do you have today? I have three siblings and I'm only in touch with one. Uh, my younger brother 
would not accept help from me. And he definitely has some of the same issues my mother had. And he has episodes of being manic. And I'm scared for him and I'm sad for him. But I've distanced myself. He is also somebody who scares me and he has threatened me. And therefore, that boundary is up. That that door is shut. When our mom died, we collaborated to create a funeral. And if that wasn't the oddest thing, um, to be very scared of another human and not respect them and know that he's got drugs in his pocket and you have to clear out an apartment together and make it happen. I chose to, to do that if we could stay separate and we made it happen. We were the only ones in the area. My other siblings both moved away. So I chose to get through that time and I then do not speak to him at all. So that was hard. Um, that's, that's the most I've let it down. But he definitely is um, somebody not allowed in my life. And with my older sister, we didn't get along for a while. And she, was, um, she would ask for more things. And it was becoming like when the phone rings and you kind of go, oh, no. You know what? You don't have to. So um, you kind of have to make your own life and go forward. It's, it's a short spin on this big rock that we're all on. So you have to choose. So that's the kind of boundaries I've set up. I've certainly had friendships come and go. And what's funny, Curveball, you won't know this because it's, I think it's a woman thing. But what's funny is a woman will go to the same hairdresser. Tell me if there's one in your life that you know of, a, a female in your life that it that says, oh, but I've, I've gone to Sally for 20 years. I'm not going to switch now. I mean, I've always gone to Sally. I would like to try somebody new, but I don't. Yep. And they'll just keep going until that person no longer does it anymore. Exactly. I said to one of my hairdressers, I said, uh, I'm kind of a player. I, I might come to you for a while and then I skip around and I might come back. So don't take it personally. And she said, well, I'm going to tell you something. The time that you're tired of me, I'm ready for you to go too, because we're probably done playing and finding out any new ideas. It's okay to go and come back. <laughs> I find that to be true with friends as well. If, if you've reached out and they've stopped reaching out to you, you know, once in a while, throw them a, hey, thought of you today. I, here's a cute picture. But you don't have to keep chasing them. We, we grow. And, you know, they say friends come into your life for a reason and a season. I, I envy those that can have those best friends since fourth grade. I've got a long time friendship, but not since school. But that's a great thing if you have it. But don't feel bad if you don't. You know, it's it if you're not having the give and take that makes you excited every time you think of that person, just gently back away. It's actually easier to break up with a lover than it is a friend. It is that that's for females anyway. Fight me if I'm wrong, girls. Message me. And why is that? <laughs> what why do you feel that's the case? It's easier to break up with a a, a lover than a friend. I think because women and women friends. It's so much about feelings and um, drama and, mm, well, she's not in the room. So I guess we'll just talk about her and you need to talk about her with me. It's just so yucky. And I'm so glad to be in the spot that I'm in now where the women I have connected with now, and it's taken me all these years, lift each other. And I've got some great networking gals. One gal today reached out and said, I know you're trying to land a TED talk. I want you to talk to this gal. She didn't pitch me any sales, nothing. She just remembered what I've asked for, and she was trying to connect me with somebody. And the more that I do that to others, I notice it's coming back to me. So if we would just lift each other up, 
like each other's posts, help things to be seen, buy each other's books or attend what they're doing, you know, online and speaking and send a card to somebody. But women can be really mean. <laughs> and they can just be, you know, they gang up on each other. If you've ever heard that you can have two girls at a sleepover, but if you have three, one's always going to be on the outs. <laughs> Absolutely. Are there, speaking of, of a TED Talk, are there any other projects that you're working on that listeners need to know about? Any more books? I know you mentioned the TED Talk and any speaking engagements, anything like that? Any more comedy sketches? I infuse comedy into any pre presentations that I'm doing. I have, I just released a comedy album and you can connect to that on my Facebook page or go to Apple iTunes and it's called fun on the phone, but fun is spelled with a PH just like phone. And this is 21 telemarketer calls. They called me and I led them down a different path. I got one to help me with a song. I got one to help me find my husband. I, I make up stories. So I'm like, I don't know. He went out to get spaghetti sauce and I haven't seen him in two days. And it's these crazy stories for telemarketers. And I had an old answering machine. And so um, that album is just released yesterday. And I'm really excited about that. So I usually play those when I'm presenting, but I can do creative workshops and we can play different. I don't mean to say play games, but we can play with ideas. And I promise to not scare your introverts. I'm not going to make you get up and pretend you're a, a barking tree or any of that. It's more about creativity of the mind and thinking about things from a different angle. And I do have another book I'm working on. I don't have the name of it yet, but it is more about the creative prompts and just helping you to get unstuck and to re-energize and give you bursts of bravery and ideas and just make it okay to play. Are there any other topics that we haven't talked about that you would like to discuss before we go? I think we are good. I, I really appreciate your time. It's always nice to meet other people and see how they run their podcast. So that that's good for me. I just want to remind everybody to commit to whatever scene you're in. If it's a conversation with your family or somebody at work, commit to the scene, just like I would when I was on stage, have the other person's back, listen to hear, don't listen for your turn to speak. Don't top what they're saying, but build on what they say with the yes and attitude. So listen to hear, let them be heard. And always dare yourself daily. Go ahead and throw out that contact information for everybody, the full contact information, your website and ways that people can connect with you. Well, thank you. LisaDavidOlson.com. And the main spot I'm at is on Facebook, Lisa David Olson. And I also invite you to join my comedy group page on Facebook, which is called Counterclockwise. And we basically all share memes and funny things and ask funny questions. And it's an interactive comedy group. I call it a cyber clubhouse of fun. So join us over at um, the Counterclockwise group on Facebook. And that would be great to find you there. Yeah. So my books are, oh, anything you want to find out is usually on face on face place is what I call it. Instagram and LinkedIn too. Absolutely. And speaking of dare yourself daily, listeners, after listening to the show, dare yourself to subscribe, rate, and review. Lisa David Olson, thank you so much for joining me Thank today. you, Curveball. This has been fun. Absolutely. I had a blast.
For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.